Hello everybody and welcome to Goldbridge Saves Football podcast. We're live in the studio for this one because we've got a big event going on in Manchester where we might see some of you a little bit later. But for those listening to the podcast, which you are, what a week to discuss. Uh, Pratt of the week is going to go off. We're going to be talking about these Joey Barton comments, which everyone's talking about. We've got some interesting takes on that, but also a massive contender from Michael Owen throwing apples at walls. The bravery. And they think that nurses have it hard. We will also be talking either ors. We've got the quiz. And we're going to be talking about the sack race. Pochettino or Ten Hag ordinarily, maybe, would be being sacked. Should they be sacked? We'll talk about that. And Liverpool, are they title favourites? Will. It's been, honestly, I really feel like the Premier League is alive and kicking. That's This last week with the midweek football everything that happened at the weekend, talking points, a lot of positive stuff as well. It's just been absolutely brilliant. And I'm, you know, I'm really glad that we can do this in person today. VAR is still shit. I just think it's been yeah. pushed down the agenda a lot because we, we, are, we are almost being just suppressed by it. I thought there was some shocking stuff at the weekend, especially the way the Liverpool Palace game was officiated. And then Villa Arsenal had most of the same things going on that weren't penalties or weren't yellow cards. It's incredible when that both, both uh, teams are in a title race. But let's start off. Uh, we may as well start off with um, the, um, the sack race, I suppose. Um, it's mm. been a very interesting uh, week. And I must just say as well, let's not let's not be, and I want to get into this as well, Aston Villa, uh, the, yeah. you know, what a season they're having and this talk of whether they're better than or could do a Leicester City, which I think is absolute nonsense. We'll talk about that as well and a few other things. But let's start off with the, the sack race. I mean, Chelsea have lost, <laughs> I literally said on the podcast last week, I'm going to keep something for next week about Chelsea and top four contenders. And what do they go and do? Lose two games in a row. Yeah. Um, and then Manchester United losing to Bournemouth as well. Um, I mean, what what are your thoughts on this? We we we've seen one sacking so far. I predicted Roy Hodgson. Maybe he will go. We've saw, we've seen the Sheffield United coach go. Um, uh, Pochettino, nineteen points, twelfth. Scroll down, FC Ten Hag getting beat by Bournemouth. Not the first loss at home this season. Palace, Brighton. You can see why the media, in fairness, are pushing the sort of sacking thing. But what are your thoughts? I just feel that both very Jackal and Hyde, more Hyde than Jackal. If that, does that make sense? Jackal and Hyde was a doctor who turned into a wolf. Uh, a, a Labrador, apparently. Well, yeah. I mean, they're more wolf than Labrador at the moment. But I just think with, with Chelsea, the consistency is not there. We, we said it on the Wednesday episode. Well, we shot it on Wednesday before the games happened. And we were like, the consistency is not there with Chelsea. And obviously Manchester United won that. But then for Manchester United to be at home to Bournemouth and, well, it should have been 4-0, really. I mean, the... the I was really, you know, the what was it? The player of the month got announced last week. The manager of the month got announced last week. Scott McTominay's been scoring. And I was, you know, I was really, I had a few drafts at preparing a tweet for you of like, you know, McTominay and Maguire are the best players at Manchester United. And I watched back, I watched back at match of the day. And wow, I okay. mean, yeah. I, and, and you think that's the highlights of, I mean, you saw the full 90 minutes, but McTominay must have given the ball about four or five times on the highlights I saw. Maguire, Maguire was just like, left left watching ships at the night he was just stood there and uh, yeah it was just a terrible like really lack of energy and then that ties him back into everything that everyone talks about Ten Hag of like where's the identity but then there was sort of their Tuesday and Chelsea I just yeah I, I don't think either of them will get sacked this season one because of financials because what Ten, Ten Hag's two years into a massive deal Poch just one year into a massive deal but it's just 
how far like Chelsea are twelfth and they are well, they're ten points off the drop. But even the side, you know, like Luton have lost four of the last five, but the performances have been so much better. I don't, I'm not saying Chelsea are going to get dragged in, but nah, it's just a mess. No, and I think that uh, you're right. I mean, I, I, I said it on the on the Christmas show, uh, which was last night. For those who are watching this podcast this morning, um, we have um, uh, Scott McTominay's like a mince pie. I don't you like know. mince pies. Well. I do like mince pies, do you? but where are mince pies in January? Where are they in Easter? Yeah. Where are they in August? The big, big, giving it the big one at the moment. Oh, do you want some? Mulled wine's another one. A mulled wine and a mince pie. They're only relevant for three or four weeks a year. Also and a then lot they of cinnamon in there. And they live off it for a whole year. And that's McTominay. He, you know, he scores goals, but there's nothing else. You like a mince pie. It's, it's not long enough. And you make a great point about Chelsea and... Um, and, and Manchester United. Remember the Milky Way advert? The red car and the blue car had a race. No, I've not in one child. All Red wanted to do was stuff his face. And Red loses because he stuffers his face. Right. And the blue took the, mil- <laughs> took the Milky Way. Nice. I mean, it says a lot about adverts from the past that, uh, you know, basically the blue car that eats the Milky Way is seen as the healthy option and the red car eats too much. I mean, this is what they used to do to us. You know, a Mars a day helps you work, rest and play. A Mars a day makes you get fat didn't they used to say cigarettes like helped you perform sexually better as well that was before my time you must have known that. what 1940 sort of time period? no I wasn't oh, around okay. then but my point is in the red car and the blue car race and the advert the blue car wins but I think you know like scale electric have you ever played scale electric on yourself on your own yeah you know where you get the perfect speed on both and they're just both going around the, the track the same speed well I'm an only child and even I find that quite weird yeah, it is. But that's what I think that Chelsea and Manchester United are two scale electric cars with fingers at the same speed, just going round this track in parallel. I think that there are so many similarities between Chelsea and Manchester United at the moment. You've got two managers under a lot of pressure. You've got two clubs badly run in different ways. I think Todd Bowley's got his heart heart in the right place, but yeah. his head's in his arse. He's got no idea. Nice. And then I think you've got the Glazers who've got their heart in their arse and their head in their pockets. And both different ways of running football clubs, but both bad ways of running football clubs at the moment. But I think that I don't believe sacking the managers the right way. Well, also, you, I mean, we'll come on to Aston Villa in a minute. And the, the successful clubs let the manager design the club in their image, don't they? With Liverpool, with obviously Manchester City, a really great article in The Athletic about Unai Emery. And as much as it disappoints me, it's all like it's all built in his image and he gets in the right people that. It feels like Man United could go that way, but it feels like there's a decision with Radcliffe and um, the the new board coming in if they they back Terry, eh, Terry. Eric Ten Hag. Terry I, was, Ten I, was, I always call him Terry Ten Hag. Terry Ten Hag, and if Pochettino, well, they've got to back him, haven't they? Because yeah. of the money spent. Yeah, and I think as well, what I must say is because there'll be people listening saying, "Look, Chelsea fans will be saying it, Man United fans will be saying it, and Liverpool and other clubs fans will be observing it." You can't just keep a manager. Because, I mean, I think Simon Jordan said it on the radio today. Um, if you're going to keep a manager, you've got to give them the rope to succeed. You can't give them yeah. the rope to hang themselves. And, and, and I think it's a great point because I'm not saying that Pot shouldn't be sacked or Ten Hag shouldn't be sacked. I'm just saying if I was in charge, I'd want to build the infrastructure that's clearly broken in both clubs because I don't think a, repl- a replacement comes in. I'd, basically, what I'm saying is I don't think the manager is the problem. I no, think no. It, yeah. I think it's a problem, but... Chelsea, you know, Pochettino's right in a sense that they need to spend more money because they need a striker. Ten Hag is right in a sense that they need to clear players and, and continue the build. Um, but I think I think both, I mean, a little quick either or will, and for everybody at home, get in the comments on Spotify as usual. Which club in 
two years' time, because I think the way it's looking at the moment, Chelsea will not be in Europe next year. Yeah. And Manchester United will probably be playing Thursday night football. So you, that tends to be a transitional season. They won't be fighting for the title. So season after next, yeah. who's going to build better? I, I feel with everything coming into Manchester United, and if it goes from 25% to more, which, which should be happening, should it? With the Ineos? Oh, God knows. Um, I just feel like that feels more ask, of a... Ask Frank. Um, no, he's the drug guy. Don't ask Frank. Frank? What's the Lampard? one? Lampard? No, no, not Lampard. Oh, right, sorry. I think I'm sure there used to be an advert. That oh, we... talk to Frank. Talk to Frank. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know whether he still exists. We'll get him on the podcast. Um, what was he going to say? Um, Man United, you think Man United? Manchester United, because I think if, just because of everything you hear with, with, with the structure that could come in and if they back Eric Ten Hag in terms of not even with money just being like right for the next four years we spoke about it before for the next four years this is the plan two years we're going to have absolute shit but then we're going to have a real you know this will be the time where you, you're going to be judged on so I think it'll be Manchester United uh, this show is going to be very uh, sporadically brilliant. Uh, we will wander off into different avenues because I'm an expert in that. But um, I, I think that um, what I was going to say is it's a little bit like the relegation battle, what I'm about to say here, is I would stick with Pochettino and see it through. Whether he's the man for the long term, I, I don't think. I would stick with Ten Hag and see it through. Whether he's going to be the manager in three years, maybe not. And people will go, well, that's ridiculous then. But, no, but my point is, I think there's a foundation that needs to be built. Yeah. And I think Pochettino and Ten Hag are best placed to do that. Unless there is an alternative out there that is going to clearly make things better. And I don't see that because I don't see the infrastructure above them. So I think it's right to say that. But it's like the relegation battle. Some people think Sheffield United might stay up now because Chris Wilder's there. My answer is no chance because who's going to drop into the bottom three? Yeah. And, and and that's it. It's a bit like that with Ten Hag and Poch. Who's going to replace them? But also, you just need to clear expectation at the moment because with Chelsea, I, I couldn't tell you really what they're fighting for this season. I mean, at the start of the season, I think I put them fourth before yeah. the, all the carnage. So maybe it's just get back into See, Europe. I, I didn't. I remember doing, I think it was the fill-in and Watto was like, Chelsea are going to be the yeah. shock of the season. Uh, I can't remember what we, what we said when we did our predictions, but I've been consistent with Chelsea that I actually thought they might be the flop of the season. I could see it coming, but simply not. I don't rate Pochettino massively, but I, I just maybe it's the experience of Man United when you've got a collection of players. Doesn't matter what you pay them, that you that have underperformed before. Yeah the tendency is they're going to underperform again. And also it feels like with Pochettino, you know, where Unai Emery went in at Arsenal, it didn't work. And at Aston Villa, it feels like the perfect club because you are fighting above expectation. You're over exceeding and, and that gets really rewarded and you can sort of build it in your image where Pochettino sort of like, not fighting downwards, but because he is trying to prove himself that he can do a top job. It just has this unnecessary expectations where, you know, could he go in, a, could he be the person that goes in at a, Brighton after De Zerbi leaves and takes them on to the next level. It's just when you're at that top club and Man United, there's no right or divine right that you are going to get top four. Um, well, yeah. uh, well, you know, it pisses me off how simplistic football can be, although some of our viewers actually will be simpletons because that's the diversity of the world. Um, you know, uh, come on, oh, come all ye faithful, thick or clever, it doesn't matter. There's something here for everyone. And <laughs> that's me and you. Uh, but I, 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 it does annoy me a little bit and, and it's the sort of, you know, I imagine it's the sort of thing Gabby Bonglahor would come out with because he's a Villa fan where he goes, wow, look at Emery. Look at Emery. When you know when he tries to speak to Posh, look at Emery and what he's done at, 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 at Villa. And then look at Poch and Ten Hag at Manchester United. But it's bollocks because actually, if you look at what Ange has done at Spurs, what Eddie Howe's done at Newcastle and what Emery's done at Villa, fantastic jobs. 
none of those coaches, I don't think, would do the job at Chelsea and Man United because there is an expectation. There is also a massive amount of overpaid players who don't want to work hard. Now, you go to Villa and Emery, who's the star player there? Yeah. Watkins, Tyrone Mings. They're all point-to-prove players, aren't they? All work hard. Yeah. Same at Spurs. So I, I do think that what I'm trying to say is I think if you put Poch back at Spurs or Poch at Villa, he probably would do a good job. Yeah, yeah. But if you put Eddie Howe at uh, Chelsea... Well, it's like Potter when he went to Chelsea, yeah, wasn't it? That should be the natural succession, but just because of whatever reasons, it doesn't work. And it's not... I'm not taking anything away from Emery Howe and, and Ange. Chelsea and Man United should be hard jobs and I'm not getting the violin out for Ten Hag and Poch. Maybe they're not good enough. But the bottom line is... Uh, the only managers I think could do jobs there and they'd need time would be the best, the very best, the Jurgen Klopps and people like that. But then also at United, you've also had this like flip-flopping of like when Mourinho came in, he was sort of like that Ancelotti statesman. He was like, what he says goes, that didn't work. Then you go to the Ollie of like the more like, you know, the the club legend leads into that that, that with everything and that didn't work. So it just feels you have got to give Ten Hag time because he's sort of in that, almost in that middle ground a bit. I knew there was a reason I chose you for the podcast and it wasn't to do with being cheap. This is the sort of comment that that will make you better because it's absolutely correct. It's the same with Chelsea as well. And again, get in the comments and we'll have a think because if if Ten Hag is sacked or Pochettino is sacked before Christmas, where do you go next? Specifically, I can speak about Manchester United. You've gone for one of the greats, Mourinho, didn't work. You've gone for the old, seen it all, Van Hal, didn't work. You've gone for the, you know, hipster... Um, European, you know, this is the next big thing, Ten Hag. Um, you've gone for the ex-player, happy-go-lucky, nice, I want to be a friend with everyone in Ollie. Yeah. You've gone for the Premier League coach that's got, you know, done well at a smaller club, Moyes. Man United have literally tried it all. Yeah. Um, and you could say Chelsea have done that as well. So, I, as I say, people say, let's get Conte. Well, it's just a poundland Mourinho. Or, or let's go and get Hansi Flick, very similar to Ten Hag. Uh, yeah. Or, or let's get Michael Carrick. Oh, another Ollie. It's like, I'm not saying it won't work, but I think at some point you've just got to look at Chelsea and Man United and go, their manager, the, the problem goes beyond the manager. Their playing squads are a mess. Yeah. And the infrastructure above it needs to be more defined. You need a club that's from top to bottom in tune, like Aston Villa, like yeah. Brighton, like Spurs, like Liverpool. Um, who I want to talk about, actually, get your comments in about the sack race. But for us, I'm not making any... I personally think no matter how bad it gets, and it's pretty bad at Chelsea... Yeah. Stay with him till at least the summer. Yeah, they've got to be, also it's another big payout. I know Ted Bowley's got this unlimited checkbook, it seems, but there's got to be a point where you have to say, Yeah, this is this is it for at least two years and what do they say? At least three transfer windows. So I think you're spot on. It's it's the structure behind everything like that. Get that in place, especially at Man United, and then get judged. Let us know what your thoughts are on that. In fact, we might do a poll around that. Um, let's have a look at uh, who bits up. No, oh no, let me take a breath. Yeah, go on. Well, do you, will you take a breath? And we had some. We always read out the Spotify comments. And thank you very much for getting in, in touch. You know, I, I get pelters every week. The, the jingle stays. Um, but Sam Hartley says, uh, keep the jingle, but a poll up that tells Goldbridge to never sing again. Him singing who is top at Christmas makes my ears bleed and skin crawl. Keep up, keep up the top show. Well, he says shower. Uh, maybe he's been watching you in the shower. Well, tonight, thank God I'm red instead of blue. 
was actually quite good, that was. That was quite good. You're impressed with that? Yeah. You could see halfway through you singing that, you thought, oh, I'm actually doing all right. Here. I'm doing all right. Yeah. It's not breaking. It's not breaking. So who will be top at Christmas? Aston Villa. Who will be top at Christmas, that is. Oh, you know why they don't like it? Why? Because it's a bit like that Joe Pasquale. I've got a song that'll get on your nerves, get on your You're nerves. You're doing a lot of dated references yeah, today. But for it, the... I think it just gets in people's head and they don't like it. What, like my um, Pratt of the Week? Pratt of the Week. I like Pratt of the Week. Yeah. Um, but look, I've got to I've got to um, promote my genius here. Uh, we did start who'll be top at Christmas after the international break, and I called Liverpool. It's looking very good for Liverpool at the moment. I mean, but you know what? I really wanted to bring this in. I know we that Goldbridge saves football, and and me and Will have brought up things over the recent weeks. We've mentioned this headline piece that needs to happen around injuries. And have you noticed how many goalkeepers are getting injured, injured at yeah, the moment as well? Yeah. I really, the Crystal Palace, and it, and it, and it references top, of, top at Christmas because that's how my genius works. I can wander off, but then they'll go, oh, no, he is talking about yeah, Liverpool. Nice. Even I'm confused. Um, the Crystal, Crystal Palace-Liverpool game is probably one of the worst games I've seen this season in relation to officiating. Yeah. The stop-start nature of it was ridiculous. The first penalty where they went back to see if Endo was fouled. The penalty that was given, where it was one minute forty-five gap, um, there was lots of injuries. There was, I think, I think we ended up with about 15, 20 minutes of added time across both halves, and I just think that it's incredible how nobody is actually. Maybe they're not allowed. Maybe they're being shut down. But this whole massive amount of injuries clearly is to do with the amount of games that we're playing and the amount of stop-start nature. But I also think it's down to the style of play, isn't it? Like everyone plays gag and pressing, everyone's pressing mm. from the front. So the game is a lot more athletic now. You know, you don't get centre-halves like Tony Adams and Steve Bold that could do a job of like really, a... Yeah. Aston Villa's defensive line is normally on the on the halfway line, isn't it? So there... It was in my front front, front, front living room, you tell you what. So, so in Solihull, it was that high. <laughs> really that high. Going back and forth. So the, the athleticism in the game is great and the players are so much more athletic. But when you're doing that over a 38-game season plus Europe plus Cup games, I struggle with it a bit, of to, especially with the top teams of like, you know, I struggle. I really like Jurgen Klopp, but I do struggle sometimes with him moaning about the amount of games. I, I think there's a, definitely a point in terms of the stoppage is an adding on extra minutes that's just, you know, the thing is with that as well, it's players stopping and starting again, isn't it? And also, I think I, I do look at the end of the day. You you want to you you want to be your best, don't you? you know, yeah. If you're going on a night out and you 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 know a bit mom, like you today, you know you're looking really sharp. Your mum's not washed your shirt, and you mm. know it's not going to get washed, dried, and ironed in time. Yeah. You don't feel your best, and I think that's what Klopp's talking about. Look at the look at the save that Allison made <sighs> in that first half. Best goalkeeper in the world. Kelleher probably doesn't make that save. So you can say you've got a squad, but when you want to win a title, you know yeah. you've got to get your best players on the pitch. But look, I think the, the interesting thing about this game week was that you can't pick your fixtures and they can have a massive impact in a tight relegation battle or a tight title race or a top four. And I look at this week and I go, I've always been a big uh, praiser, if that's a word, of what Klopp's done in that midfield. I think it's amazing to have a midfield that's basically passed it and then rebuild it in two months. And he's got so many options in there because McAllister didn't play and Endo did and he's got he brings on Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott. And the point I was trying to make is that I think that he's got so many options in that midfield and some people think, well, it's Gravenberg, Endo, Sabozloy and um, the other lad, McAllister. Yeah. But you've also got Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott. And that gives you loads. It's not just six players. It's about 15 different combinations, maybe even more. Someone will let us know about, about that. But I think with Liverpool, look at the fixtures. They're probably not at their best at the moment. Yeah, They, they came from behind against Fulham, a 1-0 win against Sheffield United, and then 
the, the red card really lets them back in against Palace. Now, I think if they'd had to play Villa this week, yeah. even Klopp would admit they'd probably get beat like Man City and Arsenal. Look at Fulham, two good wins, two home... I think it was a an interesting game week and it was fascinating, but I also looked at it and went, fixtures can happen at the right time. And I think Liverpool caught three good fixtures at the right time. And they've only lost one game this season, which was that Spurs one. So... Look, I've I've got experience of winning titles. You know, I've 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 completed championship manager many times. But as a Manchester United, I'd love man, to play you on football manager. No, absolutely wipe the floor with you. You really wouldn't. Oh, I, I got promoted with Solly Hull. Mate, mate, oh fucking hell! I got promoted with Solly Hull. Broke the national league goal record. Look, you got sent the game by football manager, and they obviously put it on a little setting no, they so they didn't. could help you. No, they absolutely didn't. If they did do that, I'd be very disappointed with them because now you've got me thinking that's what they did. <laughs> But yeah. I was basically playing a front six. Um, oh, fuck me. No, it's, it's just gold, you were it, it's gold bridge ball. What but, I was going to say is, but going into, you talk about the fixtures, Liverpool have almost got their sort of Aston Villa running now with like, obviously they had Arsenal and Manchester City home. Liverpool's next two home games going into Christmas and Manchester United, which whichever form and shape you get Manchester United in is a derby. Mm. And then they've got Arsenal on that one before Christmas, which could probably be the, the game of the year. Yeah, I can't wait for it. And, but look, I think that um, it is worth bearing in mind because especially that midweek break that we loved, a lot of clubs had home-home and some clubs had away-away. Yeah. So, it, yeah. But look at look, Bournemouth, two away wins, very well done. But no, I, I think Liverpool top at Christmas. I Just looking ahead to that, we'll do it more next week. But in relation to the title, would you put anyone down as favourites at the moment? Because I, I know who favourite my favourite is. I still think Manchester City are favourites mm. just because of what's to come back. I think the, the the Rodri sort of absences. I hopefully they for them they won't happen in the second half of the season. I also get really nervous when you've got a sort of wounded Pep because you know whatever it was the charges before and they sort of went on that run or every time they sort of have this defeat and his ability gets questions it almost like he goes away to a retreat gets the board out and goes right I'm inventing inverted fullbacks that'll fuck him up and then they just go on a run so he was really happy with that Luton win as well well you would be but that's a sort of and a very football cliche but it's like you you know you you win dirty you win away you mm. do come back and you but that but I think it's the, the main one is asking if Aston Villa are going to be in a title race yeah, well, look, it's a bit of an either-or, isn't it? I mean, who's better, Leicester who won the league or this Aston Villa side? And I, I think it's a very relevant point because I think, well, I know that that season that Leicester won the league, they were fantastic, but they were also, I don't want to, I don't want to disrespect it because it was fantastic, but for most of the season, their competitor was Spurs. I think Arsenal ended up being second, yeah. but Man City were going through transition. Man United were shit. Arsenal were still shit then. Spurs were Spurs. Liverpool, had God knows where they were, but they weren't managed by Klopp, I don't think. Um, it was a very transition. It was a perfect storm. And yeah. we, all, we all loved it, but it wasn't a vintage Premier League. It was a year where, I don't know what their points tally was, but they Leicester took full advantage and it was a brilliant year. I don't think you can say Aston Villa are comparable to that because if Aston Villa, well, well basically if Leicester were doing it against this Liverpool, Arsenal and City side, they'd be fourth. Like, they wouldn't get a sniff. And the fact that Villa are going against this lot, um, it's a much harder task. I mean, Leicester are better than Villa because they won the league and they, we've, we've had a full season to assess them. But if Villa stay in that top... If Villa win this league, they're not another Leicester. It's it's an amazing achievement. Well, and you feel like Villa would really build on it because I think a lot of people, not that think Villa haven't got the resources, but I think underestimate the resources that they have got. And it's just absolutely, you know, they could spend billions and... Well, not billions, but that you know they can get in a 
a really good run and you know if they get Champions League football you feel that they could build on that but then there's also you know like Newcastle down 11 points separate the top seven uh, what was it going into what February March maybe last year when Ma- it was Manchester City with 10 points behind mm. so if we can just take a bundle of teams and keep pushing and you know have a sort of six to eight point gap going into the title race in March and April I think we'll be doing well but we I sat there on Wednesday when we recorded before the Man City game and I said you know there could be a podcast that we're recording today where Villa have beaten Arsenal and Manchester City you must be hating it as a blues nose a blues nose a blues yeah nose. well I've got friends coming to the show tonight who you'll unfortunately meet and they're you know they're two of the smuggest Villa fans that you ever would meet and you know I think that we'll have a threesome yeah yeah, like in a in a in a like yeah. What well, all talking each like a little villa tug off. UTV. Yeah, yeah. You and, you tweeted as well going up the villa and st- the weekend. That really pissed but, me off. But but as a Manchester United fan, and I'm sure there's a lot of people who agree with this. Not Birmingham City. The thing is, if Blues do well, like oh, I know, I know. I, yeah. I, I, I'm not in. I'm not in that Just race. Upset me. I'm not. In, really I'm, not in, I'm not in the Blues Villa thing. He's crying. But I, of course. If somebody said, who do you want to win the league out of those top four? Liverpool, your yeah, biggest yeah. rival. No, thanks. No. Man City, your City rival. Oh, I won't have that. And Arsenal, no, they were a rival in the 90s. Aston Villa, oh, yes. No, I think as a, as a profile of a team, when you like talk about the top four and the top six and the tradition and the dominance that we've had ever since the Premier League started, apart from Leicester, it does, yeah, it does feel like Villa are in that mould. It just makes me physically sick to say that. I will bloody love it if Aston Villa win the Premier League. But I've just realised I've completely and utterly jinxed you because this is too Keegan-esque with the headphones. But I don't think they'll win the league. But if they get top four, build a statue for Emery. Well, just on Emery as well, you look back, a lot of people have com- had the comparison of because he's, he's not done too much with the squad in terms of additions. But if we were doing a, a yearly award, which I might pitch to you for the in end of that year, yeah. in that year, he's got to be coach of the year for the Premier League, surely. 100% from the minute he came. I don't know when it was he came in for Gerard. I think it was October, wasn't it? It was Pre-world yeah, it was October. And I remember it. I think it was the prime games because Villa lost away at Fulham, and it was one of the best nights of my life. Well, not the best nights. A bit sad, really. But and then the next day, Emery got appointed, and your wife, been... you, not your wife, <laughs> your, your wife or partners going bloody hell. I can't even beat a Villa yeah, team yeah. beating Fulham. And I was, you know, I was giving it ah, Gerard like five year contract, and then Emery comes in the next day, and the whole. Well, there's a tweet from me when Emery came in where I said, I think this is. I haven't deleted it yet. So, you know, you have actually, have I? Yeah. <laughs> so I've I been norm- sent it by a few Villa friends. I, n- I normally <laughs> do. I normally do notice. Um, there was one about Real Madrid at the weekend where Real Madrid fans were all going on about it. And uh, yeah, I did tweet about How have you annoyed Real Madrid fans? I think I said something like, why would a certain player go and play for Real Madrid? They're an aging team that's going to get worse. Whereas Man United are on the up about four years ago. Oh, right. So yeah. I thought you meant it the weekend. Oh, I was talking about. Yeah, they, they, they love all that. But um, no, I think it's, it's great what Villa are doing at the moment. And yeah, Emery is doing a fantastic job. Um, from fantastic to not so fantastic, is it time for... Pratt of the Week. You're a Pratt, he's a Pratt, she's a Pratt, they're whiny. Now it's time for Pratt of the Week. One, two, three. So we've got a few contenders here. I mean, look, I, I feel almost dismissive to put it into Pratt of the Week because I think it's probably going to be one of the most interesting sections of the show, uh, responding to this Joey Barton stuff. We've also got a classic from Michael Owen. I mean, if he if he knew comedy, the timing and delivery was Alan Partridge-esque. It was fantastic. But before we do a bit of comedy, let's do a little bit of serious talk. Now, if you're not aware of what Joey Barton's done, 
And my words would be he is basically putting something out there with a with fishing rod to get bait because he's a bit of a prat, um, which is the definition of prat of the week. He, he basically said that, um, well, women were mentioned, uh, but I, I think that uh, as much as it's been taken as offensive towards women, and I understand that completely, I think he was basically doing it with the intent to cause issues because he's basically saying that specialists should be co-pundits and nobody else. Well, I mean, I think he it went at every... I think he started off with his podcast appearance where he's sort of very, very dismissive of an incident with his brother. And then it sort of obviously went on to his, his rampage about w- women in football. And then he sort of gone on to talk about like vloggers in football. I think mm. he even had a go at Thogden. Um, that's fair enough. Yeah, that's fair enough, that one. It's the only good bit, yeah. <laughs> um, we like Thogden. Um, but yeah, it's just been like, but whatever point he was trying to make, and not that he had a point or any leg to stand on, it all sort of fell down because at the end of it, it was like, I'm a podcast coming out at the end of January. And this is it. I wasn't aware about this until actually a few hours ago because I'd, I'd been doing watch-alongs over the weekend and people kept asking me about it. And I will give our response in a moment. But I said, look, for me... I don't think he's intelligent enough to be making the point he's making. I think more intelligent minds could turn this into a conversation. Yeah. But for me, this is coming from a point of somebody who just is clickbaiting, really. They want the clicks. Um, maybe he'd been rejected by you know a radio station or a TV station, but actually it turns out he's got a new podcast coming out. And I think that's that's really sad because it's there are elements of it that create a debate. But when you know that somebody's doing it to... you know, At the end of the day, he's a winner, isn't he? Because he's put himself in the headlines... Some of his tweets over the weekend are absolutely ridiculous. But also, it's like almost bad that we're talking about him because it's given him the oxygen that he wants to and a platform to do that as well. But the reason I wanted to talk about it was because I think that if people like ourselves and other stations do talk about it, then you sort of shut it down um, in an intelligent way instead of you know going down the pathway that he wants to go down. Like, for example, um, my daughter plays football. Um, my wife watches football. And I talk to them about football and it's never about gender or anything like that. We talk about football and it's never about the fact that you've never played the game. And and this is the thing. I don't want to make it about gender or anything like that. Where the way the way Joey Barton came across to me was that it was about specialist, you know, people who've played the game. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's that I've played the game. And I'm like, you know, I was listening to Stuart Pierce on the Talk Sport on the way up. I really like listening to him. He played the game in the early 90s. The game is not the game he played. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's 22 players on a pitch. It's two goals. It's the offside rule. And it's VAR that no one understands. What can they tell me apart from what it was like to be in a dressing room in the 90s or what travel arrangements they had? I don't think... I think Joey Parton is so wrong. And he probably doesn't like what we do either because... He probably is one of those people who, when he retires, wants the phone to be ringing off the hook. Yeah, so, yeah. Joey, can you be the co-commentator? Can you be this? I've played the game. Yes, I can. It's nonsense. Football is the most diverse sport. I started watching it when I was four years old with my granddad who was coaching. Everyone's got their own journey. Hours, thousands of hours we've all watched and played football. And I, I, I can't stand the arrogance of people saying, you can't, you know, you're not qualified to to do this. I mean, it's not bloody heart surgery. I can't do heart surgery. I respect the heart surgeons, but I can talk about football and so can anybody. And to say that women haven't played the game, well, I haven't played the game. You haven't played the game. It's ridiculous. Well, I think that when he's piling on on like women in football and everything, that's when it becomes dangerous because there's a certain section of like a male audience that just absolutely buy into that. And that, you know, like Beth that works here, absolutely the amount of shit that she has to put up mm. with just for, for being a woman in football 
is absolutely preposterous. So, you know, I think that the way he does that just invites an extra pylon that is not needed and not wanted and, you know, doesn't really have a, a conversation about other stuff. And then, you know, you look at the way he was, I'm good friends with Jay Motty at um, Stratford Paddock and he was piling on. It just creating conversations and arguments and he's just going at people for this oxygen and publicity. Well, I've never met this Jay, but everyone says, you know, he's a really nice guy. And I'm like, well, I'll take their word over it, over Joey Barton, who clearly has never met him. Yeah. And, and, and his argument's lost then because he's, he's, he's aiming a dig. He's throwing a, he's throwing a, he's throwing an arrow, and he, and, and he's hitting himself in the but face. Every time he does it, he's like, "I'm not sexist because I've got a daughter, and I'm not a racist because I shared a dressing room with Andy Cole and shortly. I mean, yeah, he just yeah. looks like an absolute fucking prat. He does, he does, and he is going to be prat of the week, I think. Although Michael Owen might push him, <laughs> but, 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 I tell you what, there was a debate here for an intelligent person, and and it would take a brave person to do it, braver than Michael Owen, um, in the sense that if somebody had said. I worry about the general sporting landscape across mainstream media and radio because for me, they are employing people who are young and diverse over people who are actually specialists at what they're doing or not even specialists, people who are entertaining. Because look, there are radio stations that, that have the radio, uh, have the match coverage and that's football probably gets thousands more than them because yeah. people are entertained. So I, I think there might be a conversation there because I sometimes turn on a certain TV station and go, I can see what they're doing here. It's all young and vibrant because they want to click into the TikTok community. But I actually preferred it when it was Jeff yeah. and, and all that lot. I think there's a conversation to be had there. But there's also a conversation to be had about, you know, I'll be honest, sometimes I'm listening to the radio and there's a female um expert or something on and i'll go god she fucking she's full of shit but i tell you what for every one female i might think that and there's some fantastic ones out there who are you know laura woods is a great presenter there's some brilliant um ex-footballers that you put on especially around women's football and and then they're brilliant but for every it's it's just it's just a preference isn't it it's not there's nothing wrong with saying i don't like that young presenter or i don't like that filmer filmer presenter but i guarantee you there'll be about 50 shit male presenters of which yeah. we we dig into all the time it's and, about quality and also it's the way like production teams use like talent as well i think some of the ways that i've been used but like well, i used to be on sporth and then you know sort of be i used to go on this show on five live and for for one day i was on the five live coverage of burnley manchester united in the studio being like asked about my opinion and like, i just you know obviously i did it but like, i shouldn't be there and then, like when I was on Sky Sports News in like 2018, they were like, "Can you tell us about the the transfers that happened?" And I was like, "I fucking watch this show for you to tell me. Like, I haven't got any inside. You're the sources." So it's just there's a clamber from producers, I think, and especially at the the bigger stations and the bigger companies of like, "Shit, we need to like get young people in," and they just go, "Young, young, get them in," and th- that's where they get it wrong. It's the, look, it's the way of the world, and you've got every right to have an opinion on something you don't like, but the generalization of nobody who's not played the game at the highest level can be a pundit is ridiculous. And look, that's football. Goldbridge saves football. United stand massively uh, successful and, 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 and with big audiences. My phone's not ringing off the hook from Sky or TNT or, you know, come and do... I mean, imagine if I did a co-commentary with, um, I don't know, Gary Neville for a, a match. It, there'd be a lot of people that didn't like it, but the audience would be absolutely massive. But they're not going to do that because they've got their own idea of where they think the world's heading. And And... and for me, it should always be about quality, but quality isn't, I've played the game. We're in a very niche world at the moment where quality is actually 
audience and and the audience dictates the conversation and it's not Joey Barton well, well also football's so diverse and for the reasons that we just spoke about but for like diverse for why you like football you know like we think about the industry that we're in now people like football for for the tactics and the stats people like it just for the entertainment or for the fan content people like just watching people go into matches there's so much for everyone yeah and you can just like a certain bit of it but that doesn't mean if you like one thing you have to hate the other thing and be so preachy about it you can just enjoy what you like and just crack on. And also, you know, an ex-player may well have a really good insight into what it's like to be a player, but they won't have a very good insight as to what it means to spend your hard-earned money traveling around the country. Yeah. Uh, you know, getting up at the crack of dawn and, uh, you know, just being a football fan. Yeah, you know, yeah. Having a pie, having a pint. Well, that's you know, talking on the yeah. bus, talking on the train. That is, an, and, and people love that. People, that's why people are listening to this. They're not listening to this for great insight. They get that anyway, but they get everything else. Yeah, I think we've I think we've covered that well, haven't we? We have. Uh, there is a second Pratt of the Week contender. He's oh, going to yeah. have to work really hard, but it is a bit of a lighter note. <sighs> I got. I think I actually saw this on Accidental Partridge, yeah. um, which it, you frequent quite a lot. Which it was. Uh, well, I'm proud when I'm on it yeah, because yeah. it's not accidental, is it? But um, <laughs> apparently. Um, but the bottom line is, Michael Owen, I just couldn't believe it. I'll try and explain it in the best way. So he's telling a story. He's being serious because Michael Owen has got one phase, and that is serious. Yeah. And uh, he's basically saying that what a brave person he is. And, you know, I think he's talking about his striker instincts because he said, even, even, as an, even as an eight-year-old, I had the bravery when I was sat in the living room <laughs> to uh, throw my apple core six metres across the living room to try and get it in the bin, knowing that if I hit the wall and left the stain, I'd be sent to my room. But I'd do it anyway for that nod of approval from my dad. <laughs> and I just was like... The so breath. descriptive as well, wasn't yeah. it? He probably thinks about it every day. But it's, it's just, it wasn't on High Performance Podcast or Diary of a CEO, but you know... Who was it? Was it Simon Jordan? It was Simon Jordan's one, but I've not seen how Simon Jordan responds. Yeah, but interesting. Unless it was like, shut the fuck up, what are you on about? I always had that killer instinct to take, to, to, to that bravery to take on. And I, I mean, look, if you're of a certain age, maybe people don't eat apples anymore, but that was like everybody in my house. Like was... we, we used to, <laughs> when I used to go to my grandparents' house, they had an open fire. Right. And uh, that was literally, everyone would be sat there. I don't know why we were all eating an apple. Maybe it was different timestamps, but somebody be eating an apple and it would literally be, watch this, and you'd try and throw it into the fire. And, and if you got it, everyone would go, everyone would go, and, and that's you when you knew you had to start the United stand. And that was my moment where I knew I was brave yeah. and special. Yeah, definitely special. What a prat. But it's got to be Joe Barton. Um, there was a few other ones in here that we had from our YouTube community tab. Obviously, get involved in Spotify, but if you can't, the YouTube community tab is absolutely fantastic. Big incident for you, obviously. Manchester United in disarray, but you're sat there waiting to to enjoy a lovely bit of carrot cake, which you've you know displayed to the audience, and then it's gone cream down on the laptop. I don't get why people found this so funny. <laughs> I mean, gassed. like Danny from the script actually WhatsApped me straight away. Wow, like, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, a bit I, of a no drop. But I get on with Danny from the script. Neil. Oh, I right. <laughs> it again. Neil Robertson, snooker player. He always messages me. Oh, I me thought about you Chelsea. meant um, who was the guy from Art Attack? He was Robertson. Remember a bit Art Attack, big oh, Art. He can, what's he doing? He's now? better than Danny from the script. No, he's not. And Neil Robertson's a very good snooker player. But the point is, I don't really get what it was all about. I showed people my carrot cake. Yeah, and, and it fell creamed down. Fell creamed down onto the laptop. Yeah, that was the best bit. But when people you were loved like... that because my face. But actually, uh, the best bit I thought was a few about a minute later where I said, "I really need to clean this up because if the wife comes in and sees white sticky stuff on the keyboard, yeah. she's never going to fall for the excuse." I spilt my carrot cake. Yeah, but yeah, but the, the carrot cake's the natural reaction. Also, as well, I thought with a carrot cake, it's more of an icing. What? What? Yours was quite creamy, wasn't it? It was an icing. Yeah. 
Yeah. It was an icing. Yeah. So it was icing down, not cream down. It was a fucking good carrot cake. As Did well. you have it? it? Probably, yeah. Well, oh. well, especially what's been seen your keyboards as well. But it's all mine. <laughs> a lot of people have tasted their own before. I would never go down that route. But Tasted um, their own carrot cake. Yeah. yeah it right. was a lovely carrot cake and it, it was not spoiled. Let's put it that way. Um, um, any others? Uh, I'm not, I'm, that's, that, that was, that's not, not, on a dead week, I might have got Pratt of the Week, but not, <laughs> no, that's not even. I'm quite sorry for you, actually. Michael Owen and. Uh, um, an actual football related one to on the pitch. I mean, Kieran Trippy has probably had one of these worst weeks in football in terms of performances. Two. Cost two goals uh, in the Everton game on Wednesday, Thursday, and then Sunday he got turned inside out by Human Son. Newcastle on a bad run. He looks tired. The whole team looks tired. Mm. Nice though for Eddie Howe because I, I do want him to stay in the job. This all the fans. Also, Pratt of the week. I don't know who it goes out to the Newcastle fans. Had absolutely sh- all the trains cancelled to London. I think all like really bad travel, and then the last one back to Newcastle got tran- cancelled. I think there were still fans in King's Cross this morning, so it's like... Yeah, Joe Barton won't know what that's all about, will he? No, no, that'd be somebody else's fault. But yeah, Kieran Trippy could be up there. But yeah, I think there's only one um, right Pratt of the week, and that is Joey Barton. You're a Pratt, he's a Pratt, she's a Pratt, they're whiny. Now it's time for Pratt of the Week. One, two, three. Okay, let's head into the either-or section then. I'm looking forward to the quiz as well, because I hope you haven't gone hard this week. Oh, I always go hard. Yeah, uh, uh, trying to get points back. What's the overall score? Four, three. To me. To you, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, um, so what we've got in the either-or sections, because I've, I've got a couple myself as well. I really wanted to do this one because I know it's very clippable and we're in the studio, so it will even look good. Go on. Um, Son or Salah, who is the most underrated? Because I think both Son and Salah are ridiculously underrated. I mean, Salah should be Ballon d'Or contender every year, what he's done. The fact that people would even entertain Hazard versus Salah when Salah... Salah's People did. I know, but he's done it... I mean, he's just done it. He does it all the time. He seems like he's been around forever. Yeah. And then then Son the same. Son's been at Spurs since he was 24. Yeah. How nobody has gone for Son, like a Real Madrid or a PSG or a Bayern Munich or, or even a Man City, he is the quintessential player that Man United or a Chelsea need. Instead of recruiting talent, talent, work hard mentality, yeah. charisma, personality, leadership. He's the, he is the whole nine yards. Well, you think as well, when Big Ange went into the job, he immediately pointed him captain, which mm. maybe from the outside, you, you sort of know he's got all those traits, but as a captain to have that armband, you, you maybe it's a bit nostalgic to think of like, you'll bring up Tony Adams again, but those sort of like number fives, number sixes who give the armband to, but he, he's led Spurs on and off the pitch. And you can say that with Mo Salah as well in terms of his performances to get 200 goals for Liverpool. Mm. I, the amount of times he scored 30 goals a season for Liverpool. And he is a right winger. Yeah, and it, they've been good seasons, bad seasons, some of the goals he scored. I think the answer to this would be Mo Salah just because of the... Mo Salah is a better player than Human Son. And I think that people disrespect Mo Salah in terms of like, yeah, when they put him in... We put him in our all-time Premier League eleven. And I think that shouldn't cause so much of a debate because when all is said and done, you know, he's Premier League, Champions League winner and also had problems in his career where, you know, he was written off, came back and absolutely smashed it. So for me, it still be, would be Mo Salah. Yeah, I think I'd go Salah because for, the, for a very simple reason, I think he's a better player than Son. And yet it pisses me off, even as a United fan, that Mo Salah doesn't get mentioned enough in this conversation about the best player in the world. It's always Mbappe, Haaland, uh, De Bruyne. And I just think, even as a United fan, how the hell is Mo Salah not in that debate every single game, every day of every year? 
and he just doesn't. And I've never understood it. So yeah, I'd agree with you on that one. Uh, one you brought up just as we got into the office, because um, I really wanted to talk about his performances over the last week or two, but um, Everton or Chelsea, who will get more points this season? So we have the caveat this week. Everton obviously on 13 points, but if they didn't have their points deduction, they'd be currently sat on 23, which would put them 10th in the Premier League and above Chelsea. Um, Sean Dyche already doing an amazing job. Great performance this week. I just absolutely love him and I know you do too. Well, you know, at the end of the day, yes. I can't do it with the headphones on, but uh, let's all have a bag of gravel and have a fucking piss up, eh? And a pile on, pile on. Let's have a pile on. National grid. But I think the... The truth of the matter is that I don't take into account the Premier League 10 points. We're football fans. That That's a, that's a, a regulatory thing because yeah. of financials. The points that Everton get in this conversation, who will get more points, is based on the points they actually won this season with Deitch and the players they've got. So it's 23-19, isn't it, at the moment? Yeah, yeah. So Everton have won four of their last five and obviously won two in a week of beating Chelsea and Newcastle. Yeah, I think it's an interesting one. I wouldn't be surprised in May if at some point Chelsea do start to find a bit of consistency, especially considering they could... In May? On. So, you know, yeah, in May, they've got more points. That's oh, sorry, saying, I thought yeah. you meant they could finally... Last two games this season. <laughs> oh, we've done it. Too late. They're off on holiday. Yeah. They're going to have some consistency. <laughs> but the, the thing is, Chelsea could go and buy Victor Osman in January. They're, they're capable of doing something like that. And if they do they will start to get more points. But um, but you know, when we talk about Pochettino and Ten Hag and fits with different things, Daesh at Everton at this moment in time is absolutely perfect, isn't it? Oh, 100%. Just yeah. because he can, he's got the fans the on side. Don't but, forget the XG. But people, yeah, people have been, you know, some of the, the clips that I've seen when I do delve into that deep, dark, tactical world is um, the just the way that they've been playing a lot better as well. Well, well, well. well, the Man United game at Goodison Park, we won 3-0, but they should have scored. I said it at the time. Yeah. before. I said it after the game, before they went on to win the next three. I said Everton should have scored at least three. Like, they, 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 the XG was great again. So, he, he they, they Everton have, could have more points than they've got. Uh, and that's not just because they've had 10 points deducted. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're really good. I, I would still say... Chelsea will get more points, but that's very reliant on. Well, and it's a very competitive league as well. It's all right saying Chelsea are going to go on a run. I don't. I don't actually. Maybe maybe Everton will get more points. It's hard to go on a run in this league because there's so many good teams who can beat each other. I hope so. Well, and also they've got an appeal as well, haven't they? So you know, hopefully that works in their favour. But want yeah. to revisit. Um, one one we sort of touched on, but I want to put a definitive answer on we touched at the top was the Aston Villa now or the Leicester City side of 2016 because I don't think we actually put a definitive answer on it. Who do you think is a better side? I'd still go with Leicester from that era because it was a very good side. And I just remember with that Leicester team, I used to watch uh, football then, of course. And I was like, at some November, December, January, February, I was just constantly going at some point they're going to start losing games. People are going to figure them out. And they never did. Um, it's all right the first two three, two or three months of the season being at the top because people just expect you to drop. But yeah. then there was about six months where everyone knew what they were all about and they still won games. And and of course, we're only judging Villa on four, four or five months. So at the moment, I'd still say Leicester. But if Villa are up and, and they're about it in April, I think the the, the the challenge of this season is far harder. So it's, 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 a, it's a watching brief, but at the moment I'd stay Leicester. Such an enjoyable time as well as a football fan to watch football. I bring up the Man United game, but when it was for Vardy to break the record and they mm. had the, the goal on where he broke, but Christian Fuchs's ball outside of the foot breaks the back four line and Vardy's finish. And it was just, you know, when it's like that and people will have it with Villa this season, people just 
the whole country gets behind them, don't they? In terms of you know, getting galvanised, yeah, there'll be a lot of Villa fans if they if they get up for it because it's it's the underdog story, yeah, isn't what's it? What's his name? Back in Prince William tweeting at the weekend. Yeah, once a year when it's going right. Yeah, the only the only bad thing is that I was on I, I was on Talk Sport on Saturday night for my half seven show and it was just ending, and the Passover was from O'Hara and a Bangalore and a Bangalore. I just was I forgot he was a Villa fan. Yeah. I was like, that's putting me off Villa a bit. Yeah, well, I don't need to be put off filler anymore. Um, thank you for those. We've also got the best comments on Spotify this week because in the interactive tab, you get involved every week and sometimes there's some things that we miss out on. So uh, sort of catching us up on what we've been speaking about. Uh, we've got the quiz coming up, uh, which I'll come on to. Um, but Norpan says, Mark, a name of your game should simply be who's there. Thanks for the great podcast and great stream. Now, what I wanted to say, Norpan, is thanks for getting in touch. We, rubbish yeah who's there we can sort of come up with maybe we're looking for more punny sort of things as well aren't yeah. we, for... uh, we, we we'll, we'll guess who's a very good name but um yeah it's yeah we want something but he says thanks it's a great podcast and youtube stream ultra so like, we really appreciate you listening it's a rubbish comment though yeah uh, yeah um james this <laughs> it doesn't even work yeah. now it's time to play who's there we can make it a bit creepy um Obviously, we did our all-time Premier League eleven. There was a bit of discourse. Conjo said Hazard over Salah. Hazard carried Chelsea on his back for six years. There's a lot of players that do that. Um, and then also James said Petr Cech is a Premier League legend. He holds the record for the most minutes without conceding a goal and the most Premier League clean sheets. I've had, I've had a whole weekend of this with the United fans about the Ten Hag out thing. Um, an opinion is you can respect an opinion, but you don't have to value an opinion. And yeah. this, th those opinions there, I respect, but I don't value them because it's not based on my experience and knowledge, and it's also not a fleshed-out opinion. I and, think... and what people are not realising is, this is our opinion. If you want to put Peter Cech in there or Eden Hazard, that's fine. But there is nothing you can say that is going to make me put Cech or Hazard in there, because I've thought it through, I've considered them, and they're on the bench. I feel like Czech could make he'd be the one that I'd maybe reconsider a little bit more, and definitely Gary Neville, because that was an absolute No, choice. no, no, no. Schmeichel over Czech, and also... Definitely Salah over Hazard. But that's the whole point of the comments. Well, yeah. It doesn't, doesn't make me right. Mm. It just makes you wrong. And also, um, you have been very supportive about the jingle as well. But, you know, if I've done something wrong, I've got to call myself out as well. And Danny Delaney got in contact and said, that's the worst Irish accent I've ever heard. Please never attempt one again on or off camera. Very specific. So. There's a fine line between being able to do the Irish accent. And I can't do it with headphones, so I'm not going to try. <laughs> and actually being very offensive. Yeah, Irish. well, I thought I had a really good Irish accent, but obviously not. And I'm, I, you know, I'm going to go away, think about it. Um, but now it's time for who's there? Or guess who? <laughs> or somebody else come up with a better name? Because it's time for this game where we have to guess the player off five clues. If you get it on clue one, you get five points. If you get it on clue two, you get it four points, three, three points, two, two points, and etc. Um, the one with the most points wins. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a game week week. Uh, you get it. You get a point for each week that you win. I'm winning four to three. You won last week. So you choose well, who goes first. Uh, I'll go first because I feel like you've cheated because we've been in the office and I've had a few tabs open and you've been lurking around like a bad fart. I, I you have. I've got my glasses you've on. You've got a bit of a lurker face as well. Um, okay. Clue number one. And there was some comments saying I needed to improve my clues. Again, I've took yeah, that on board. very hard last yeah. week. Yeah. Um, so you can guess this from the first one. I have played for Aston Villa, Newcastle, Blackburn and Middlesbrough. Brad Friedel. Incorrect. Teammates have included Roy Keane, Marco Anatovic and Colo Torre. 
I could do with a pen and paper here. What was what was clue one? Blackburn Villa. Villa. Well, I mean, you can look because I've not put the answer in. Okay. I know because you'll see the other ones actually you're cheating. Yeah, uh, okay. Aston Villa, Newcastle, Blackburn, and Middlesbrough. Those are some of the clubs I've played for, not in any specific order. And some of the teammates I've had at club and country are Roy Keane, Marco Anatovic, and Colo Torre. Roy Delap. No, incorrect. That's not a bad show, actually. Might, might actually work as well, but it's not this one. <laughs> managers I've played. That's why, that's why I guessed it. Managers I've played for include Joe Kinnear, Graham Souness, and Tony Pulis. Shea Gibbon. Correct. Get well it. done. Get it. You I, looked I at knew. my tab, you lurker. No, no. Lurker. When you said Rory Delap, I thought he's got to be Irish. Okay. Yes. That's know. three points. Three you. points. I, I can't. I can't. In read. the word of Cow the Dragon in the skills video, I've got my eye on you, Goldbridge. Yeah, I've got my eye on you. Or in the words of unofficial pundit, and you haven't seen the video yet. That's what it's all about. Yes, that's what. That's what we're here that's for. That's a classic. Just a tease. We have got an absolute yeah. banger of a video coming out with. Okay, so it's my turn here. You. So I need to get it in two, or three or for the draw. draw. You could do it. I, I, if you if you stay, I started in the French. <laughs> I'm a male. Yeah. And I'm, I like spaghetti. I'm a male. And, and that doesn't mean he's Italian. No. He's xenophobe. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, clue one. Go on. 28-year-old midfielder currently playing in the Prem. 28 years. See, my age uh, awareness is warped, which could be taken out of context. 28-year-old um, midfielder. Let's just think of somebody English just to start with. Get the Brexit out the way. 28-year-old. Oh, God, literally, mine's gone blank again. Uh, 26. Uh, oh, my God, I can't think of any. Uh, uh, give me... Uh, just, just, just name a player. Name a player. Name any midfielder. Yeah. Uh, Rodri. No. Um, started my career... So, 28-year-old midfielder, currently still playing in the Prem. Started my career at Bayern Munich and moved to Southampton. Oh, I see. Now I should be getting it. I moved to Southampton. Um, I think I've got it. Ryan Gravenberg. No. No. Oh, I oh, didn't move to Southampton though. I, I, so I think I think it, there was a Southampton link with Gravenberg, but I don't know whether he lo was loaned there oh, or right. something or something. I was else. really caught. I've done that thing now. I'm in the. I thought you were going to get it. Well, yeah. if you get it on this one, it's a draw. Right. Week. Okay. Um, so 28 year old currently still playing started off at Bayern moved to Southampton was an EFL runner up EFL Carabao Cup whatever you want to call it runner up with Southampton and Spurs oh. Southampton and Spurs Southampton and Spurs so that's like the James Ward Prowse no fucking hell oh Oh, well, fuck! Well known for uh, his starting his career at Bayern Munich. Fucking think before you speak. And doesn't play for Spurs. Shit. Uh, so I'm going to win. Uh, fourth clue. It's lost my head. Danish international. Oh, Hoiberg. Yes. Fucking hell! I didn't even have a fourth clue. Fifth clue. It would have been, my first name is Emil. Yeah. My initials are. My name's, my name's Hoiberg. That was a good one. I, you could, I, I thought you could might have got it on second clue. Um, started career at Bayern and moved to Southampton 28 year old midfielder it was gettable yeah it was gettable, it was yeah. gettable. let myself down yet again um, you know and tonight I'm uh, appearing on stage to do a quiz with, me. with you so I'm uh, you know I know I, and I did shit on the fill in today did you yeah it was rubbish what I won the I won the Christmas quiz with them on Friday so we, we've got a bit of bones to pick about so yeah we okay. can do better 
5-3 to me on that. 5-3 to you on that one. But we'll... Goldbridge on Friday. He's looking good. Ah! So check that out on Friday, the Friday Premier League preview. And we'll have some sort of uh, uh, niche little... I've got a few good ideas, actually, I'll share with you, but I'll keep them away from the viewers. Good. Fantastic show, everyone. Don't forget to give us a follow and five stars. And also do get involved in the poll and leave us your comments on anything you've had in the yeah. show or any ideas you've got. Fantastic show. Nice to do it in person. And uh, thanks, Will. Thanks. Looking forward to tonight. I'll be putting this show live at 7am in the morning, so um, maybe I'll be reserved on the show, but... Get up. Only Get joking. Up. <laughs> yeah, reserved like a bloody alcoholic. Yeah. Uh, uh, drink responsibly. Yeah. Actually, I saw that. I was driving here. Um, driving into Manchester, they had this anti-drink uh, campaign where it's like, uh, get there alive. And right. it does make you think. Well, I mean, yeah, that's probably a good motto for life, isn't it? Yeah. Well, get I, there alive. I think any... Alcohol is not dependent on that. No. And any drive, make sure you get there alive. Just drive safely. Just... In the our our tips going forward be just stay alive. Ha ha, stay alive. Stay, stay alive. alive. Thanks everyone for watching. Cracking show. Speech in a bit. Mm -hmm.